Welcome to Talking Far, Far Away. The Force is with you, young Skywalker. You are not a Jedi yet. Join Brick City Blockade as we discuss the canon of a galaxy far, far away. Hey, welcome to another episode of uh, Talking Far, Far Away. Uh, the first one of 2018, and you'll find it a bit different this time because I'm now hosting this show. I'm with, as always, Robin. How's it going, Robin? Uh, you know what, Scott? This is awesome. You know, it's now talking far, far away with Scott Inch. The Scotsman has now taken over, and uh, it's a nice snowy day outside. Um, I'd rather not deal with New England and uh, and, and this this tropical cyclone made of snow that we're getting. But you know what? I'm ready to just talk about what happened with Star Wars, man. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, you've got snow, we've got rain, so how, it's okay across here to have a bit of rain. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, so last year we had a ton of Star Wars happen. I would say we had a great 2017 of Star Wars. We're now in 2018. We're probably going to get more great stuff coming out. I mean, Han Solo is coming quickly, but this is that's for this year. But we and Rob is going to talk about it this week as we're going to talk about 2017 of Star Wars. So let's start off, Robin. We had at the start of 2017 we had Rogue One. And I pretty mm-hmm. much to say Rogue One kind of, you know, started off did really well at the box office. Yeah, Rogue One did was probably the thing that jump started everything, I feel, Scott. I feel like Rogue One was what got us pumped up for Star Wars celebration and got us ready for The Last Jedi. And uh that film did so many great things for Star Wars fans that once The Last Jedi time came around, it was like, wow, you know, we're really enveloped in this universe right now. And 2017 did not fail in that case. No, it certainly didn't. I mean, that first part of the 2017, uh, let's just say like the first four months, January to April, it was so intense with Star Wars. I mean, we were coming into the second half of season two of Rivals, mm. which, boy, <laughs> that was a great second half of the season. And, mm. I mean, you, me, and Bryce spoke quite a lot about it on our Rebels recap. Um, you can go back and check out those episodes. The three of us, we spoke about it, about those episodes. I mean, you got pretty sweaty over the Mandalorian stuff. <laughs> All of that Mando glory from the second half of Rebels, man. That was just some fantastic <laughs> stuff. I cannot say enough. And I think here at the BrickCityBlockade.com podcast network, Scott, as you know, it's one of those things that's like we look back at it and where we are now with Star Wars Rebels and how crucial a lot of that storyline was in the second half. And again, like you said, I mean, Rebels recap, we broke it down for you guys. Go back and listen because we had some really, really in-depth conversations. We talked about our good friend, Mr. AP5, a bunch. Episodes that that others felt were filler, you know what? They did a lot for the fandom, and they did a lot for the community, too. Yeah, I mean, we'll just quickly jump on Rebels here. And I, I mean, you said it yourself, Robin, a lot of the episodes that came about there in Season 3, it did kind of start paying off in Season 4, especially with the Heroes of Mandalore two-parter that we had at the start of Season 4. Those episodes with Sabine, it certainly did play off as, uh, in those first two episodes, and those first two episodes of Season 4 were fantastic. I'm going to be fascinated to see what happens now that we're moving into 2018. <laughs> You know, what's going to happen with Star Wars Rebels because of what 2017 did? Yeah, I mean, I think we're, we've got more about the last six, seven episodes left to go. And yeah. I think we're all going to be in tears. I'll be certainly in tears. So <laughs> you might not see me for a week. I might just be hiding under my bed, you know, crying away. And the fact that Rebels is ending because it's such a great show. I mean, those first few episodes in the first season, okay, they're a bit kiddish, but once we got into the later part of the first season, like, God, those episodes are so good, especially when Tarkin came out. You know, you kind of knew what you were getting from Tarkin. And boy, oh boy, did he bring a lot in. So that was Rebels, uh, the first uh, half of 2017. And then the first half of 2017, we also got the title for the episode H, which was The Last Jedi. Rob mm-hmm. and I, again, you, we spoke about it. We broke it down. We tried to figure out what it'd be, whether it would be Luke. And I think everybody kind of knew it was going to be about Luke. But then, if you haven't seen the movie, I'm not going to spoil it just yet because it's been out. Um, but you need to go and see it. But we kind of knew that The Last Jedi, where it was heading um, for that title, um, we were kind of like, oh, what's, what does this mean? You know, We had some people, 
some outlets in France and Germany, you know, kind of suggest it was something else. What did you think about it, like the title back then? It's funny, now now that reflecting back on what we've seen in the theatres and then the title when we first got it, I think that there was so much of a discussion about, okay, what does The Last Jedi mean? It was a deeper level of thinking that we had to go through at that time to say, is it Luke? Is it Rey? Could it be Kylo Ren? Is Snoke The Last Jedi? And at the time, Scott, I can remember, we were approaching Star Wars Celebration really fast. And... It was coming to the point of, okay, all right, we're getting this. Celebration's around the corner. We're going to be looking for answers. And we didn't get any right away. It was kind of like, <laughs> you guys have to keep hypothesizing. You guys have to wait until you see the film. But right off the bat, Scott, I think for The Last Jedi, that title, when it came out, I have to admit, I was not so sure about the title at first because I didn't know if the storyline that we were going to get was going to be surrounded by The Last Jedi. But going back to Force Awakens... What, what was the line that always came up? The last of the Jedi you will become from the original trilogy. And then, of course, Snoke says the path that will lead us to the last Jedi, Luke Skywalker. In context, you know what? At, the, at first, I was like, mm, okay. But then when you reflect upon what The Force Awakens did, it was like, okay, I can work with this. It makes a lot of sense with what they probably want to do. Yeah, I think you're right. It did make a lot of sense when we went into that movie. Um just, well, how long has it been out now? Three weeks? Three, four weeks? Yeah, just about three or four weeks, yeah. Yeah, so now that we've had a chance to see it and what that title means, we kind of, it kind of makes a lot of sense, um, especially when it lifted up, left off us, with us as well. It kind of, yeah, we know where we're going with this now. Um, it's, will we find out what the episode nine is going to be called this year? I don't think so. I think we'll find out at the start of next year what episode nine is going to be. So we got the title and then... You said it yourself, we had Star Wars celebration for the 40th anniversary of Star Wars back mm-hmm. in May. Unfortunately, I was at work, so I had to watch part of the live stream of the 40th anniversary special, uh, 40th anniversary panel at work. So we had everybody come out, Hayden Christian, Billy D. Williams, Mark Hamill. I did not suspect that Harrison Ford was going to be at that panel. Uh, I, what was your reaction when you, saw, when you saw Harrison Ford come out? Anytime you can get Harrison Ford to come to a Star Wars event, you've pretty much written yourself a big old check. It's hard to get him to do those kind of things. And I think in the case of everything surrounding The Last Jedi, he had just come off being knocked away from Force Awakens, being killed by Kylo Ren. Spoiler alert, I hope you've seen Force Awakens if you're listening to this. I haven't seen it yet. (laughs) (laughs) But I think for him to make an appearance, and then George Lucas of all people, um, on top of Harrison Ford. I mean, obviously, 40 years in 2017, that's a a big accomplishment for for this franchise. Having Harrison Ford there was such an emotional twist for us that it, it was just a nice thing for the fans who were there. And to be honest with you, for the fans who were watching in the live stream, it still took us by surprise as the, as if we were there. Yeah, I mean, when I was watching a live stream, I I, I had to, I, feel, I think I fell off my chair. I was, watching, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. I, I thought someone was playing a joke. I thought someone had just put a stick by him saying this is Harrison Ford. Right. And coming out, but apparently he was there. So, and I do like the joke that Warren Davis made about him landing uh, somewhere in the aisle. Yes. Uh, the convention center. If you don't know what we mean by that, just go back and check. Harrison Ford has a good habit of landing on the road or at a golf course. Mm. One of the two. Let's take a break from going through that. We have a lot of the stuff from comics and books and mm. I think one of the big ones we loved this year we spoke about it a lot was Thrawn yes we absolutely love that book and I cannot wait to see what the new book one brings us I can't wait to sit there and read it I just love this book and I just finished reading Mace Windu issue 5 and it seems that Thrawn's the next one that's coming up I know you and Sean spoke about it on the home show that's what you're looking forward to. You weren't too sure if it's going to be an adaption, but it seems to me it's going to be an adaption from the book, which I'm kind of even annoyed. I thought we would get a brand new story, but um, I just love this book. I love the character of Eli. I'm just wanting to see where they take that character. What was your thoughts overall on the book again? Of all the novels that came out in 2017, Scott, I think Thrawn is the one that just kind of really hit home because, again, Filoni had brought this guy back into canon in Star Wars Rebels. The fandom was once again, you know, some of it was saying, oh, who's this Thrawn guy? And then some of it was like, holy cow, they just brought Thrawn into canon. 
And now we're going to get a book about this guy and get some backstory. Also getting, let me just say this, having Timothy Zahn pick up right where he left off is the smartest thing for Star Wars and Lucasfilm to have done. Give this guy control of this character and let him do what he did best with what are the Legends novels of uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn and some of his stories. And I'm, I'm with you. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more with this upcoming comic book series, uh, more than an adaptation of the book. However, I do have a funny feeling that Timothy Zahn probably had some say in it, and maybe he even threw a couple extra things in there uh, in terms of maybe his discussion with the Emperor, obviously. I would love to see that. We'll finally get it in picture form, which I, I think is going to bring an extra level of gravitas to his story within the novel. And again, Scott, you said it. Thrawn Alliances, that is the one. We see him this year, Vader and Thrawn standing next to each other on the cover of that book. And I think it wasn't at Celebration where they announced that Thrawn Alliances was going to occur. I think it may have been, but I'm keep thinking it might have been a wee bit later. It's uh, Comic-Con. Maybe, yeah, maybe it was yeah. New York Comic-Con, I'm thinking, because you know how the con flow is, Scott. They just... <laughs> After celebration, it's like, yep, here's D23, here's New yeah. York Comic Con, here's yeah. San Diego Comic Con. Yeah, I, it was at Star Wars Celebration, I hate to say this now, two years ago, uh, the one I was at when they announced that the Thrawn, the Thrawn boot was coming out. Because I, yeah, I remember that room erupting. I mean, me and my mate were cheering because we were getting Thrawn coming out of Rebels. Um, but yeah, you said it, Robin. My page to be Thrawn is adding tiny little pieces into the comic. And that's great because it kind of gives us a bit more detail, certain bits that might not be in the book, or maybe the way we do imagine it in the book will be different from what's going to be in the comic book. It's, it's a case of what you see at the moment, but um, it's it's definitely one I'm definitely looking forward to reading. And a lot, as you said, I, I cannot wait to read Throne Alliances. Just that cover with the uh, Throne and Vader on the front. Uh, I hope they make a hot toy of Throne. I, I know Brian will probably want to buy one as well. <laughs> Uh, which I'm going to take credit for. I got him into Hot Toys, so I'm taking credit for that. I, I will get you into it. I will meet you by one. Yes, I've I've got the SH figure art Death Trooper. Thank you to Mr. Brian Fontaine himself. It's it's sitting there along with my Death Trooper collection. So I've I've entered the world of of Japanese toy collecting, and soon I will enter the world of of Hot Toys. The evil emperor will persuade me as he does, Mr. Scott Inch. Yes, I mean, well, I've got my Vader one coming in about a year. Ah, very nice. So I have the Empire Strikes Back one coming. During that time, though, we had a very quiet period between Celebration and Comic-Con. There wasn't really much at Comic-Con. We had a bit of the comics. It was, it was pretty quiet. And then, bang, we had D23. And we had the last Jedi panel. We all speculated whether it was going to be a trailer or we were going to be somebody else. And we kind of got a behind the scenes, which when I spoke to you past episodes about the marketing, I did the exact same marketing they use for Rogue One and The Last Jedi, eh, The Last Jedi, The Force Awakens. So we got that behind the scenes. And boy, oh boy, I did quite enjoy the, the behind the scenes footage that they gave us, especially the last bit with Admiral Akbar going, it's a wrap! <laughs> <laughs> so what was your overall thoughts about the behind-the-scenes footage? You know what? I have to admit that was probably the most quoted line here at the Podcast Network after that came out. Everybody was using it here, so kudos to Ryan Johnson for including that and Kathleen Kennedy in that that little bit of a sizzle reel that we got for uh, The Last Jedi. But overall, that was our first look into everything. At the time, it was like, wow, okay. They waited till D23 to give us something, which I thought was absolutely fascinating. It gave it an extra level of meaning to Star Wars fans as we got closer and closer and closer to the release of the film. That at some point, you know, you get that sizzle reel. It's like, oh, okay, the behind-the-scenes stuff. Oh, okay, that trailer's not that far from now at that point. To me, anytime you can give us anything behind the scenes, I'm all about it. And with The Last Jedi, I think it actually proved to be a great way of not only saying, you know what, it's coming, but also saying, yeah, this is what Ryan Johnson has been busy doing with this film and and the level of uh, intensity and satisfaction and pride that he has in the product that he's pushing out. Yeah, it was such such great stuff to see. Um, I just love the fact that we were seeing 
how this movie was getting made, um, just like how the cast were feeling. And mm. I, I love the music played with it. Um, you could go to Spotify and get that. Is, the music is on Spotify, so you can actually have a listen to it. Uh, it's on my favourites list, so I, when I'm on my way to work, I usually listen to a bit of that music. Um, but yeah, the behind-the-scenes stuff, he did a great job on letting people see and the cast speak about it it's just a great piece i love when they do this when the shows because we don't get much of it on dvd much or blu-rays much now about behind the scenes like we did about 10 50 years ago and we're kind of now starting to get lucasfilm giving us an extra bit of treat to like, see some of the behind the scenes stuff i did forget to mention when we were talking about celebration we did get the, the first teaser trailer i think we were all sitting to do our seats and watching the telly but it's to see this first bit of uh, the trailer yeah. and that last line when luke says the jedi must end we were all scratching yes. our heads going what does he mean by this yes absolutely but obviously we kind of dicing the last jedi we can understand what we meant how did you feel when we first saw the teaser trailer celebration yeah you know what and and on top of the um teaser piece at d23 the behind the scenes and then when you add that to it getting that at celebration i think that um it, it meant so much to the fans that we could actually hear luke say a line i mean that was the big <laughs> thing it's like is luke gonna say anything in the last jedi are we gonna get anything and the one line we hear him say is other other than breathe the Jedi must end. For us as fans, it was like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. What do you mean the Jedi must end, Luke? Um, and I think looking back on it now, that was a great way of, of not just getting us ready for this film, but, and I keep saying that because that's its job, but also just allowing us to understand that this film is not going to be what we thought it was going to be. Or as Luke says in The Last Jedi, this is not going to go the way you think it is. That was a really great moment for Star Wars fans at Celebration, and it blew our minds. I think that's simply how it has to be put. It blew our minds as fans. Yeah, I had to watch that trailer a few times just to understand it, see what I was seeing. Um, because there was so much, there's little bits in it you'd miss the first time, and then there's so much you have to see a second time. As I said, this movie itself, you have to see it repeat views just to kind of get get the bits that you miss so you can go oh my god or, oh my god but when he said the jedi must end i honestly thought he was going mind through the whole movie i know mark hamill's like he's a pretty good actor one of the best out there but i honestly thought he was going to mind i would love to have seen him just like doing hand side hand gestures and all that hmm. that would have worked for me i'm sure it would have worked for you as well mine version of luke skywalker <laughs> you'd have to paint his face you'd have to uh get the little french hat on him and everything with his jedi robes and uh have him do the entire act that way. Yeah, I think and try to do rope as well, just you know, climbing up a rope. I, I could see, I could see that, I could see that. Yeah, um, yeah. But we have to talk about the sad thing that happened at Celebration as well. Was we got the Carrie Fisher tribute. Oh yes. I'm going to lead off by saying that, that was it was it was great to see uh, Billy Lord, her daughter, come out and say. Like speak about her mom, kind of dressed in the same kind of outfit that uh, Carrie wore in the first Star Wars movie. I don't think there was a dry like. It really must have been tears. I mean, I, I never got to see it till later on until I got home after work, and I was crying watching that. Yeah, it was just so hard to sit and watch. Although she did make it, it they did put a lot of funny bits in it. Uh, you must have read the whole, uh, you know, try how she got the job in the first place, like. I must have slept yeah. with you. I mean, I've seen that footage before, but it still cracks up when she's how she got it. It was great seeing our princess on the screen once again, Scott. Yeah. I, I can't agree with you anymore. Celebration did such a great job of just bringing us back to where who Carrie Fisher was and uh, allowing the fans to just kind of sit in the moment as not just individual fans, but as a community. We were able the, the unity in the community was there in that moment, and we all felt the emotions, as raw as they were, right then and there. Yeah, I, I just don't know how, like, seeing her in The Last Jedi, and what she did in The Last Jedi was fantastic. Um, oh. That was that was definitely Princess Leia, the way she was like, to pull, I'm not going to, like, that was Princess Leia. That's all I need to say about that. Um, so, yeah, we, we had a pretty quiet summer after D23. There wasn't really much. I think we were gasping for something. We were gasping for something. <laughs> so we had more comic books come out. Um, we had more books. We had the Inferno Squad. We had the Phasma book. We had the Phasma comic. You and I have 
pretty much spoken quite a lot about the Phasma comic in the book, and uh, I'm going to go off and say that I I thought the Phasma book wasn't what I thought it would be. I was expecting more of a, you know, kind of like, um, like I'm trying to find the right words to say it, kind of like it's different, her going into different places for the First Order, but obviously a wee bit of backstory. I just didn't engage with that as well as I thought it would be. What do you think of it? You know, in terms of the novels leading up The Last Jedi, Phasma, for me, it, it didn't hit. And it's not and it's not to put anything on Delia S. Dawson because she's a wonderful, wonderful author. But at the same time, Phasma's a tough character to work with. You, you're therefore given the responsibility in that moment. And I don't, I'm not going to say that I know what happened because that would be completely wrong. She was given the task of giving quite a bit of backstory for this character. Not only did she have to also work with, yeah, there's a comic book also with Captain Phasma. So you have to kind of play off a few pieces of canon that are sitting out there at that moment. And when the release comes out, that comic book is, is going to be present. You know, I really liked certain moments within the book. I'm not going to spoil it because I feel like you guys should go out and read it anyway because you can build your own opinions about Captain Phasma from it. Stuff that happens in The Last Jedi, after reading that book, I look back on it, even with the comic book too, Scott, and I say, huh, okay, all right, there's not really much for me to build off from here. The longevity of the character, I'll say this much, plays itself out more in the canon pieces than it does in the film itself. And I think that that kind of threw me off a little bit. I, I don't know. It's That's my personal opinion on it, Scott. You know everybody has their own opinions about the novels and the canon content. Yeah. I, when it comes to fast, I can 100% agree with you. I, I totally agree with you. After seeing The Last Jedi and then... Because before I had went into see last year, I, I had read the Phasma comic and the Phasma book. And after the, I'd see what the dub was done in the movie, I was like, all right, um, okay, that, okay, I can I can understand. I, can, I don't really want to say any more because it's really spoiler territory. I don't mm-hmm. really want to do that. But I was quite surprised. There, there I'll use that word. I was surprised they used the, what, what they did after reading that. I was like, you had all this story and you went that direction. Okay, I, I, mm. what I will say about the comic was it was great to see her, how, it was great to see the comic kind of changed a wee bit because she didn't want people to find out she was responsible for bringing the shields down and re- responsible for her star killer base being destroyed. So that was what was great about that. She had a personal right. had to go after. So that was great. You got, I quite liked it for that reason alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, but yeah, to, um, it, it's a difficult one because they're really good spoilers. I, as Robin says, check it out. Formulate your own opinion of it because that's the only way you'll you'll enjoy it more if you come up with your own ideas about it, etc. So when it comes to Phasma, again, I had mixed feels about it, but check it out for yourself. You might find something in it that you go, wow, this is a great bit compared to how I found it. So it's just one of these things. Everybody's got subjective views on things and that's just, the book's kind of like that. You can like it or leave it. Don't give it all Delia's uh, is it Delia Dawson? Delia Dawson, yeah. She's a great author. It's just this, just this one didn't quite click for me. But then we also had Claudia Gray do Andalalia Beck. Before I go any further, check out our interview with Claudia Gray on the BrexitBlockade.com website that we managed to get her to do. It's a great piece. Check it out. Robin was able to get her to answer a few questions. and It's just a great wee piece. To, but yeah, she did. Princess Leia, Princess of Alderaan. I absolutely love this book. Ryan loves it. You've read it. Everybody on the network who's read it absolutely loves this book. What was your overall thoughts about this book? In my mind at this point, much like Chuck Wendig and much like uh, James Lucino did for me in Catalyst and obviously Timothy Zahn has done for me with the Thrawn novel, Claudia Gray has now pushed herself into a unique category in terms of authors for me because every book she has put out in the Star Wars world right has hit it for me. Lost Stars, Bloodline, and now we add Leia Princess of Alderaan to this. She has such an understanding of the character of Leia. She has a wonderful, wonderful understanding of how to write to a unique audience. And I'm talking about specifically the ages of anywhere from 18 to about 40, where the fandom sits. It doesn't matter where you are in that line. You could be over it. You could, you could well, not really be under it. I, I don't see a seven-year-old reading it truly right now. But at the same time, understand these characters that she's building. She gives so much more through Bloodline and through Leia, Princess of Alderaan, to the character of Leia 
that it is absolutely wonderful. She has become my favorite author in the Star Wars universe because of the way she handles the lore. She has such a great way of giving more to us than what we even expected heading into a book. And Leia, Princess of Alderaan, gives so much to the character of Leia and just so much to everything that Carrie Fisher, you could feel Carrie Fisher's attitude in the book, the way that she acted out and played the character of Leia in the cinematic world. It was just so, such such great reads and I can't say it enough. Please read that article because guess what? Claudia Gray always has wonderful, wonderful things to say. Uh, Leia, Princess of Alderaan is by far probably one of my favorites that Claudia Gray has done. And that's saying something because guess what? They're all great. <laughs> Yeah, you said it brilliantly, uh, Robin. She she's up there in the top tier of Star Wars authors. Um, obviously, she does stuff outside of Star Wars, but she's done she, for me. She's three out of three with mm-hmm. the books. Um, Lost Stars. She, she had a she had a challenging task because Aftermath and Lost Stars were kind of the first two books to kind of take place post Jedi. Especially Lost Lost Stars has just got a tiny bit whereas Aftermath itself set is pretty much after Return of the Jedi. But the way she was able to weed through Lost Stars with uh, with the original trilogy, that, that is hard to do. Yeah, it is. That's not easy. And she even said it herself. I believe she did an uh, interview with Christian Harlow from Jedi Council. She found it quite she found it quite hard, but also quite easy because she was a Star Wars fan to weed mm-hmm. this through and. Not kind of, there have been sh- stuff out there when they've done kind of prequels or tie-ins or, or shows where they've put them into the kind of same kind of timeline and it can, if it good, if one show doesn't go with another show and it's a spin-off, then it can knock each other off. Right. But she done this, she done Lost Stars so wonderful and it's still one of my high, highest favourite books in the, in the Star Wars canon, but of the, of the new books and I've got. I know someone who's read it as well, and they didn't like it, which I find quite weird. Uh, but that was her view. She gave me her reasons, and I respect her reasons for not liking it. Princess of uh, Leia, Princess of Alderaan. That book is so great. It just interaction with Bale and her mother. That you had never seen that before. She gave us that. She gave us that interaction because really on screen we haven't, or even in any other show we haven't really seen it. But this was the first time we actually got it, and for the new canon anyway, and. I loved every bit of it. How she found out about how her parents were in, within the Rebel Alliance. Being on Crete, how that great that tied in. With, this book also ties in very well with Lost Last Jedi because of Holdo. The scenes that Holdo's in with, in with Leia, I felt it because of reading Princess Leia, uh, Princess of Alderaan. Mm-hmm. And I think Brian said it as well. He kind of, he got the emotional hit off it because of that book. That, I think that's important. This is, we said it again, this is how canon works. Even though it might not work with the movies to the book sometimes, or it doesn't happen too much, but with the books to the movies, vice versa, it does, if you, and if you read it, it does, gives you a bit more of an emotional impact. It's the same with Catalyst with Rogue One, when I went to see Rogue One, I knew all about what happened in Catalyst, and I can get, it It made it much richer. Princess uh, of Alderaan, that was a book that came a bit more special. And also, we have a heartbreak at the same time. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Another book, and I don't know if you've quite read it just yet, but it's uh, from a certain point of view. Oh, yes, I've actually had the chance now to read that. Yeah, how did you find it? You know what? And I have to say, uh, Oakenhout actually brought it up to me uh, in a recent live stream, that he he found it quite interesting, and I'm trying to I'm trying to get the remember the name off the top of my head. Uh, Will Wheaton uh, actually contributes to the book yeah. from a certain point of view. Shut and, up, Wesley. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and um, Will Wheaton contributes a little piece for it. And Will Wheaton is not quite the always positive about Star Wars talker, and I think that that speaks so much to the impact of Star Wars. That's somebody who I love Will Wheaton. I love what he does for a pop culture community and um, who he is as a person, I think is, is pretty cool. But I think even for, 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 for these authors to come around and say, hey, Will, do you want to contribute something to something like this? And he's, and he's had his feelings about Star Wars in the past, and he's like, yeah, sure, sounds like a good idea. I think that that speaks a lot to this book, and it speaks a lot, obviously, Jason Fry 
does some great con- make some great contributions to it. There's some very unique stories in that book that I never thought we'd have answered that are technically canonized, I guess you could say now. Um, we've had Pablo Hidalgo get on social media and say, yeah, you know what, from a certain point of view, yeah, you can consider it canon at this point because they are the authors writing it. And it's a great summary of just what these authors and what these stories and the styles of writing mean to the Star Wars universe. I wrote an article, so double check that on our website um, about that. I gave a review of it, and I pretty much gave it a really positive review. I quite liked this book. Uh, it was just nice to kind of you could finish one story, and it was very short as well. So, you, like sub books where like the chapters could be very long, these are very small chapters. So, if you're on like a twenty minute break. You could read a page, you could read a, a story within twenty minutes. It was nice. It, again, it was the same as like Lost Stars. This was a book that kind of weaved itself way through, especially the first Star Wars movie. Didn't really affect the first Star Wars movie too much, and try to remember now, didn't really affect it too much. It was nice to kind of like you know get characters from the prequels come into this book as well, like Qui Gon. Uh, and it's just a great book to read, like having John Hamm come in and do the voice of Boba Fett. Yes. <laughs> Uh, that's a great one, um, and I remember saying to you that the whole Red Five, how he sacrificed his life in a way to so Arthur continue on his mission. Yeah. When you think about it, you how well he just plays motor, but when you actually like when you watch the New Hope, you just when you actually read the book and you how oh he did that, oh he's such yeah. a cool dude. So <laughs> it, it's just a great book, and I would recommend people to pick this one up. It's a great wee tie-in to the 40th anniversary, especially for the new hope. We've had a very interesting 2017, Robin. Also, I came over and visited. Yes. Yes, and I'm sorry uh, that I was very uh, short-handed on a home episode of not saying that Scott had visited America. And boy, oh boy, to quote Mr. Scott Inch, did I get quite the backlash for that one. Oh, you certainly did. So uh, when you come over here, expect to lose an eye or something. Uh, I expect force lightning as soon as I get off the plane. Being struck right You won't get that problem with Scotland, I can show you of that. Uh, <laughs> but no, I came over and uh, this is kind of getting off from Star Wars, but we, it, it was interesting to see how American culture is different from Scottish culture. All your fast food takeaways. Mm. So many, so many fast food takeaways. My yeah. God. Yeah, there's, there's American food over here, as Scott experienced, uh, is quite on the go, you could say, and is is quite fatty uh, to a certain extent. And uh, our portion sizes, Scott, that, that's another thing. Almost double to triple what most people are able to comprehend when they see portion sizes compared to other places. But uh, Yeah, I mean, Robin took me to a pizza place. He had candles and the candles separate. So I'm joking about the candles, but he did. We went to this pizza place and my God, that was a big, massive pizza. But I ate it all. He spent his time making sure every bite was was uh, taken in properly and uh, yeah there was no candlelight I, I don't remember that uh, Scott I, I, I hope that that does not go on public record that there was uh, because uh, yes <laughs> I'm joking also I don't. <laughs> I'm sure I do remember someone saying happy birthday and I'm sure to already say to you I hate that sort of thing <laughs> <laughs> yes I do remember them singing happy birthday and you just gave me that look like, they do this here? They start singing Happy Birthday out in public like that? Yeah, I was just like, where's the plane back to Scotland? <laughs> so, yeah. So, I got to meet all you guys, and I will say, it was a fun experience, um, and I certainly will be back. I'll be back. And you made, you guys made me feel very welcome, so to everybody on the network, you guys made me 100% welcome, and I appreciate that. Anytime we can have a Scotsman over to eat pizza, talk Star Wars, Go to Boston, grab some food at Cheers, and get to experience America. It's it's a wonderful, wonderful experience. Many more opportunities coming in the, on the upon the horizon. I'm very sure. Yes, and when you come over to Scotland, we don't have many fast food takeaways, but we certainly have stuff, shall we say? Good. Yeah. Good. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> by the time we get to the last part of the year, we're headed into the last part. We're we're starting to get. We had Force Friday. Force Friday. How was your reaction? How did you feel about Force Friday? Did you get all the toys that you want? Did you get everything you wanted from Force Friday? And I've got a funny feeling you're going to say no. No, I did not get everything uh, necessarily that I wanted. I was actually quite surprised. And I know that Chris Letty and Brian Fontaine and Jim Roberts had mentioned this. And it sounds, it sounds like a lot of collecting podcasts have mentioned this, that 
stores were very here and there about Force Friday. Certain products were out that were kind of pre-leaked to the public. At the same time, some of the stuff was just not available yet. I felt like I got more at Christmas time than I did at Forest Friday, which is, is absolutely fascinating. It's one of those things. It's like, okay, I can now understand after watching The Last Jedi why there wasn't so much product push because there really was only a handful of people that they could have really marketed to the public at this time. I feel like the Lego sets, obviously I got First Order Walker from... The Battle of Crete, I got that at Christmas time, which was absolutely fantastic. But really, Force Friday didn't bring me that kind of stuff that I was interested in purchasing in, Scott. I felt like, and I know over in Scotland, you had plenty of pictures about what was happening over there with Force Friday. It seemed like it was just just not the typical Force Friday that I remember from The Force Awakens. We and my mate Ross, we went to, we have two big toy companies in the UK. Well, both of you've got as well as Toys R Us, but the other one was Smith Toys. And Ross kind of suggested we go to Smith Toys because they were doing an extra thing to give away. can't remember what it was. I think it was a pop. Why he wanted to do that, I don't know. We went to it and all they had was two pops. Uh, there was a tube with the Porg and the Praetorian Guard, the five figures. That's all they had, a few extra pieces. pieces. They, did that. they had no Black Series, mm. no other Funko Pops. They were very limited. And we went in, I think we were there five minutes for the Ride to Toys R Us. Although we did get a t-shirt, a 25 gift card and more to other things. And we were pretty disappointed. We were like the first people in the queue and uh, a few others that were, we managed to be friends on Facebook as well. They were disappointed and they just went and got with the, got the, the goodie bag. And I bought something at that first Friday at Dare at Smith because I thought we get to Toys R Us and they'll be closed. Which right. they, were, they weren't. So basically um, I got my Thrawn, I got my Luke, I got my Snoke, and I think I got something else. I can't remember what I got. I think that was the ones I got, but I'll need to double check. I've got a picture of it somewhere. I got what I want there that night. Uh, it was definitely Thrawn and Luke I was after anyway. I sent a nice message to, uh, to Smith saying how disappointed I was about their first Friday. They, they had made it a big deal. <laughs> and so uh, I got a surprise sent to me. <laughs> Yes. Uh, would you like to tell me what surprise I got? If I'm if I'm not mistaken, you received a Black Series Poe Dameron helmet. Yep. And you also received the ever so popular, ever so popular, Jin Erso Black Series figure. Yep. And a Cassian Andor. Yep. And a Ray Force Awakens Ray. Unfortunately, I don't need a Jin Erso, so if you need a Jin Erso, you can contact me at uh, pleasegiveyourjinerso.com and I'll be happy to give you one. So yes, I got a Black Series uh, Poe Dameron helmet, and I think I made them really quite jealous <laughs> that I got one. Yeah, yeah, that w- that was quite something else, I'm telling you. For free, shall I add? Yes, absolutely. Uh, anytime you can get something for free, Scott, I feel also, not only are you pleasing a Scotsman, but you're getting rid of inventory that probably, I mean, I've seen them on shelves still here and there, but I think it's still, if you know the price point, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, they were going for about 80 pounds over here. I remember when we were at Krypton, you actually had one in your hand. I think you all tried it and I had to tell you, you had to take out the wee padding inside to fit it on. Because if you've got a big head, you can't get it on. I do have quite a big noggin, this is true. That helmet does not go on just as slipping and slidey as uh, I would like it, if that's the proper word to use for putting on a helmet. But um, (laughs) (laughs) I did say that, exactly. Uh, Yes. I think I would like to hear, there you go, Uh, J.J. Abrams, please have Poe Dameron say, as he's entering the cockpit in episode nine, uh, this helmet is not going on as slippy and slidey as I I would hope it to go. That's what she said. This is where the show goes off the rails. I I do apologize. (laughs) It's a wonderful helmet. And I've also got a wee shelf dedicated to Poe Dameron himself because he seems to be. I think he seems to be. Let's. I think we can both agree he became more a breakout in the last year than he was in Force Awakens. Without a doubt, I have to agree. Um, so I've got a wee Punko Pop of Poe Dameron that's from Walmart. I didn't get it at Walmart. I got it over here. His X-wing, uh, a diecast from the Disney store. So I got a wee Poe Dameron. Just need to get a Poe Dameron something else just to kind of make it pop, uh, complete. But yeah, I've got a wee pole down and die. He looks so happy, even though I can't see his mouth. I don't understand that. <laughs> <laughs> so we had Force Friday. 
Monday Night Football. What did we get on Monday Night Football? We got what was exactly what we were expecting at that point, Scott, and that was that was the Last Jedi trailer. We already and, knew about it a few weeks ago, thanks to Mark Hamill. Yes, yeah, I mean, Mark was, let, let's just say this, Mark was quite helpful when it came to The Last Jedi about about quite a few things, or The Last Jedi, and Mark Hamill did, you're right, Scott, he, he did go on social media and say, hey guys, tune into uh, Monday Night Football, you may see something. I think we all were pretty much ready to go when it came to that, I know we all pretty much, Scott, I remember you saying, it's like, Really, really, it's gonna release on Monday Night Football and the time difference and everything. Yeah, I'd just like to thank the whole lot of you for waking me up with uh, my phone lighting up at like every minute after three o'clock in the morning. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Shut up! But no, we got it, and um, I woke up at four because I had a, like a Shakespeare poetry, as James would call it, playing mm. through my phone, and I was just like, I'm up, I'll watch it. I think I watched it twice and I went back to sleep, and I watched it several times on the train, and uh, I quite liked the trailer. It took me a while, at first I wasn't too sure about it. As I watched it more again, it's this thing of, you need to watch it a few times to kind of digest it, shall we say. And it left us, it was one of those scenes, like the last scene of the trailer, we had Kylo and Ray and I knew that was very misleading because mm-hmm. we both spoke about it. We said it was, I, I, I'm sure I, you said it or I said it, that, that that was not in the same scene. They were two right. different scenes and it turned out to be two different scenes in the movie. Yes, that's right. I mean, it was to a certain extent, I guess we can say this, Scott, that that trailer, not to seeing The Last Jedi, there were some misleading parts. However, there were certain parts without saying too many spoilers that, you know what, Ryan Johnson kind of did capitalize on that happened in ways that we didn't think were going to happen, which I think just added to the level of uh, fantastic fanfare for us as we finally watch the film and then we reflect upon what the trailer did. It's just one of those things you just look back on. It's like, at the time, we had so many questions. Based on that trailer, our qu- based on just the trailer, our questions were answered, but obviously there was more than that. I mean, after the trailer came out, that's when you start getting all the other trailers. Mm-hmm. But I saw some of the trailers, like the international one, and I didn't feel that they spoiled it too much, because I went, when I went in to see The Last Jedi, I, I would probably say about 80% to 85% of the movie. Half of it wasn't even in the trailers. I, I, I wonder, do you think, do you have that same opinion? Yeah, it was it was the way that the trailer was framed that I think that kind of when you got when you finally got to see the film, it was like, oh yeah, this this is different um, than what we were teased for. And when we got to see certain parts of the trailer played out in the film, uh, they were completely out of context. They they were very different than how they were projected in the trailer. So again, an ultimate ultimate misleading, but at the same time, still giving us the fix that we needed at the time. Then we had. December. We had December 14th over here. I get to see it 24 hours early. Mm-hmm. I get death threats from Brian and yourself. Not to spoil it. And James, not to spoil it. And uh, <laughs> as I was in the cinema, I know James, Chris and Jim, not James, Brian, Chris and Jim were having a chat about it, The Last Jedi and the mentioned that I was in the cinema right there and then when they were talking about it. I didn't say anything though. I kept my mouth stupid. I did not say what word. I remember coming out of cinema and I remember saying to you, that was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> or that was something, it was something, but I didn't spoil anything. And I wanted you guys to go on. I wanted you to have the same experience as me. Now, this is the thing when we spoke about it, was when the reviews started coming out and one website, which I was annoyed to hear, Variety has spoiled pretty much all of it before yeah. the movie had even come out. And to look at 2017, that's one of my disappointments for the Star, for Star Wars in 2017, was there were people out there, before the movie had came out, spoil it for people. I remember watching Jedi Council, or was it, was it Jedi Council, or it was, yeah, they had done the Clyde, they had done a, a non-spoiler review, and the first comment was a spoiler. I not think that was appropriate. I think if you're going to get spoilers, please keep them to yourself. I'd like to, I'd like to go on kind of binders not knowing. Mm-hmm. So how do you feel, A, about 
people spoiling it or going online spoiling it. Um, we know that some, some people I know saw some dice, but they didn't see anything. They, want, they Again, they were like us. They wanted to keep it a surprise. Mm. Um, so how did, you, a, a, how did you find out? How did you feel about all like variety doing that? And B, how well did I keep, keep not saying a, a word about it? <laughs> it's one of those fine lines that I think here at the podcast network, we like to try to draw and we have to try to kind of hold ourselves back to you guys are listening to it right now. I'm talking far, far away here is that we're not trying to spoil so much because people have to get to the theater within the time frame that they feel is necessary. They have work. They're very busy people. So it's hard to, to give a specific to when it's an appropriate time to talk spoilers or when it's an appropriate time not to talk spoilers. For everything that happened with The Last Jedi, I think Variety took it down the route of we want to be the first people to talk about it. We want to be the first people that will tell everybody what is what with the film. And I think we see this a lot with social media. And for me personally, it was just a turnoff at that time. I thought for fans it was very frustrating. And that in the world that we live in, there should be a greater respect for uh, how social media is handled. And I'm not telling people how to do their job. I'm not telling Variety how they have to run their business because they're in the business of we get the headlines out before anybody else. We want to be the first to do it. But when it comes to Star Wars, that's one thing you do not want to mess with. You don't want to put out stuff before people have seen it. And um, I'm going to say this. I'm going to be 100% honest with you, Scott. It's a lesson about what not to do when you are in the world of media, when you are a fan and you really want to say something. It's what not to do. And be patient and wait for the time when it's okay to talk spoilers. And it, it turned it off for me. A lot of people were spoiled about one specific thing. And I feel that as a community, The Last Jedi has taught us so many lessons about understanding and what we should be doing as a community and things that we should try to avoid just to make sure that everybody has an equal opportunity to really understand this galaxy far, far away. I completely agree with you. I think when it comes to Hansel and episode nine, I think, and Eddie and all the other movies moving forward, I think I might just do what Jim did and just take a Facebook, black, not a Facebook, but a blackout on social media. Mm. So that I don't see um, spoilers, but I think there are some websites sites out there that kind of like hide the comments, so you have to press mm-hmm. the button to load them. Yes. I'd like it if some of them did that, especially YouTube, because it's quite easy to see some of the comments that you don't want to see. You know, Robin said it. They are we just everybody have that period of time because the first couple of days not everybody's going to see it but opening night they're going to see it maybe the weekend the monday the tuesday after the after the initial first weekend because people is when star wars comes out at christmas people are either christmas shopping trying to save some money so they can do it the following week within their budget mm-hmm. there are many reasons but the thing is please don't spoil it so we're now heading in now that we're in 2018, we have Hansel coming up, we have the last part of Rebels. I have a funny feeling we will get an announcement of the new series set after Rebels, or maybe even about the television one, the live action series that's coming out as well. So what, what hopes do you see for 2018? And also, what was your favourite part about 2017? Oh, I'll answer that one first, because that that was that's a really great question, Scott. Um, 2017, I think that probably the best part, not only <coughs> Scotland guy coming over here to America. Um, I think well, you did that right. 2017 was such a building point. And I think my, my one favorite thing about this past year, amongst everything that happened in the world, socially, politically, the, everything that happened here at the BrickCityBlockade.com podcast network, we grew tremendously. Uh, the people that we've added to this network have been able to bring something absolutely fantastic to the conversation and the experiences we had in 2017 as a network, I think really are propelling us forward. And I think there was just so much great Star Wars content specifically at the beginning of 2017 and then towards the end that really, really, again, just pushed us forward, made these conversations even more important and really unified us as a fandom. So for 2017 for me, Scott, I I feel like Everything that's happened here at the Podcast Network has allowed us to go to the next level. Um, We've leveled up, I guess you could say, in video game terms. And um, we've been able to do some pretty special things. And going into 2018, 
listen, I just want a lot of great, great Star Wars content in terms of the canon stuff. I want really great comic books. Uh, please, please, Claudia Gray, please have a hidden novel that you're writing somewhere and you're not going to announce until summer or something that it's going to release uh, towards the December time period. Uh, I would just love to see some more canon books happen. And I feel like our conversations in 2018, there's going to be quite a few canon conversations overall. I have to agree, yeah. Claudia Gray's done three Star Wars books so far in three years. So 2015, 2016, 2017. I think she's got one coming out this year. Yes. Yes. I, I, they will probably knock at her door right now. Can you do another one, please? Can you do another one, please? <laughs> <laughs> because from what I'm aware, there's not really been any announcements of after Thrawn of any more canon books. So I think we will get some information coming out. 2017, I've been doing this a year with you now, with yeah. the whole network. My God, a year has gone already. I'm surprised you haven't kicked me off just yet. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, 2017, best part, obviously, uh, going across to see you guys. I would say that's one of the best parts. One. Uh, just the whole the whole canon stuff. I really enjoyed a lot of the canon stuff that's came out, uh, especially Thrawn. Some of the comments that's came out as well, I, the Star Wars comics been up and down, but it's mostly been up. But I love the fact with Vader, they've redone, like they've done a, took a new take on Vader set after Return of Jedi. That's been one of the best comics so far in the canon run. Anyhow with Vader, you've got to love. And uh, going into 2018, I'm with you, the canon stuff. Personally, I'd love to cut down on a lot of the canon stuff focusing on characters. I just feel there's too much of it at the moment. I know Sean was reading Mace Windu and kind of fell off with it because he just got bored of it. Mm -hmm. yeah, hopefully they, they, they kind of cut it down a wee bit just to do like maybe one character a year just to kind of give us that breather. There's so much great stuff coming up. I mean, we've got the Ryan Johnston trilogy of Star Wars movies coming up. Mm. Who knows when that is. Hopefully we'll get more about the Obi-Wan movie coming out. We will have to wait and see. Who knows? I'm sorry, I'm doing a doctor here. Who knows, eh? Who knows? <laughs> that wee bit of the show we like to call... Oh, it's that little thing we like to call uh, plug time? Oh, is that what we call? Plug time. Plug so, time. Plug time. So, Robin, where can they find you across this wonderful maze of social media? You guys can follow me over on Twitter, at MrVoteTweets. Please make sure to head on over to Instagram. Follow me at the official vote. Also, please make sure to send me a friend request over on Facebook. Follow me throughout there. There's a lot of great stuff. I always, I'm always doing live streams with Andrew Merton Garish. That's the Knights of the Order discussions that happens on Wednesday nights. Doing a lot with Caden with Make the Jump over on my personal feed and on the Brick City Blockade Podcast Network one. So please make sure to send me that friend request. Follow me on Twitter for everything happening in a galaxy far, far away and pretty much everything happening with this guy over here in America. Yes, Rob is a very busy guy. I'm surprised he is able to sleep half the time. Do you ever sleep? Uh, let's see. Bedtime for me now has become 11.30 pretty much. So, uh, And with work the next day, you find a way to do it. You, all podcasters know what I'm talking about. You find ways to get the sleep when you need it. Yeah, just knock yourself out with a tablet or something. Like Mr. T, just do it, Mr. T. Um, you can find me on social media or on Facebook at Scottish or on Twitter at Scottish Youth. Scottish 85? Yes, that's it. Send me a request. I'll add you. Follow us on Facebook at the Brit City Blockade. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Um, also follow us on Twitter and also head to our website on BritCityBlockade.com. We've got some great articles up there. We've got the timeline of the Star Wars canon. Obviously we'll be updating it because there will be more stuff coming out this year. As we always say, may the force be with you. Always. <laughs>